The glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, Welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies. Here once again for another week with American Horror Story 1984, episode 4, True Killers. It's occurred to me that these episodes have uh, titles to them, and I'm going to try my best to make sure that those stay tied in. True Killers is the name of this week's episode. My name is Kyle Leone, your host on the gory days where we remember fondly our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and beyond. But very recently, for the last three weeks, I've been covering American Horror Story's latest season, season 9, 1984, featuring the uh, the poor camp counselors at Camp Redwood. So let's just jump right into it with, what the hell just happened? If you just finished the episode, oh my god, so so I guess Satan can like resurrect you from the dead? Without... Uh, anyway, so let's just start from the top. Uh, I'll try to hit uh, each of these beats. We learn... In the first scene, that Montana and Night Stalker, for those of you that remember last episode, they met and apparently had a relationship. Well, here in the first scene, we figure out exactly what that relationship was. They met at like a midnight aerobics uh, workshop, that she, workshop, exercise, whatever you call it, that she runs. Uh, where, uh, just quick nod to all of the male body objectivity in this scene, fantastic uh, job, Ryan Murphy, applaud you once again. Uh, there was this guy named Rod that she didn't like. Night Stalker happened to be there the night that Rod like stormed out, uh, and so he killed him. Uh, the Night Stalker killed Rod for Montana, and that's where they like got busy in the locker room right under the blood. She's a freaky chick, and she's like, that's the most effed up thing. Oh, it's the gory guys. That's the most fucked up thing anyone's ever done for me. That's so hot. And then we learned that Montana was... Uh, oh, this is confusing, so I'll try my best. Brooke was engaged to a man named Joey. Joey had a roommate named Sam. Joey thought Brooke slept with Sam. Joey killed Sam and himself. Sam was Brooke's... Uh, oh my god, I was so close. Sam was Montana's brother. And Sam, continuing the thread of no one believing Brooke when she says anything... Thinks Brooke fucked her brother and lied about it, and that's what got her brother Sam killed by this psycho Joey who then killed himself. And so now Montana tells the Night Stalker to promise me that she'll suffer. I want it to be painful. So boom, now we've got that uh, established in the past that the Night Stalker and Montana have a relationship. The next big beat that we get is Chet, Xavier, and Trevor in uh, the cabin in the infirmary. So they had most recently pulled Xavier and Trevor had most recently pulled Chet out of the like pit of spikes, and I guess they brought him to the infirmary here, where uh, he passes out, and they bring him back with a uh, uh, like a epinephrine shot, a la Pulp Fiction, a fun '80s nod. But uh, the big info here is that Xavier realizes they have another way out of here in the porn producer's car. The 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 porn producer who was in the last episode or episode two. It's not like there's that many, but I'm already getting lost. Had a car. He drove here and uh, he talked to Xavier in it. Xavier remembers. Okay, we got to get the car. That's our way out. Xavier will go get Chef Birdie. Trevor will go get Margaret Booth. So they split and leave Chet alone. 
Margaret's in the woods and Trevor finds her just like he was supposed to, tells her that Jingles killed the copycat Jingles that they're looking at on the ground. And Margaret Ruth says, there's a school bus full of eager campers coming here at sunrise and they will be perfectly safe because I have a gun. (laughs) And Trevor's like, okay, I'm going to go back to the real world now and bounces. He just leaves her. (laughs) Um, So... Meanwhile, Xavier goes to the mess hall to find Birdie, just like he said. And long story short, Mr. Jingles shows up and bonks uh, uh, Xavier on the head, uh, stabs Birdie, and shoves Xavier in an oven. And he's just left there while we see Brooke, who, uh, after waking up in a tiny cabin, burst her way out of there. For those of you who remember, Rita most recently knocked her out with a, a syringe, and we didn't know what happened to her. Apparently, Rita, Rita put her in a tiny cabin and then just set her free to uh, get nearly killed by these traps. They're like Ewok-level forest of Endor, forest moon of Endor traps that swing and almost kill her. It's nuts. And then eventually she gets scooped up in a net for uh, Rita to come out and deliver this bonkers <laughs> reasoning for what she's doing saying that it's not what you think i'm doing this for science i needed to study the apex predator in the wild and brooks like you're a killer just like him she says i'm a scientist oh by the way victims of serial killers are overwhelming overwhelmingly female so thank you for your sacrifice i promise you'll be remembered as a feminist hero i wrote all that down because none of it makes sense And in my personal opinion, this is one podcaster's personal opinion. I don't know how you feel about uh, Rita's character. I want her to die already. She is so annoying and inconsistent. And the reason that Mr. Jingles is out, and you can see in the stinger for the next episode that we're going to get like her past fleshed out. And God, I don't want her to be around anymore. (laughs) She's just upsetting to me. And, unfortunately, she's the only person of color uh, that's a hero. She's not even a hero. The Night Stalker is also, I can only assume, a Hispanic American or maybe not American, but... uh He is also the only other person of color. We killed Ray last episode, so all we've got are all these white people running around on this camp. What are you going to do? So, Brooke gets herself caught in a net. Birdie... Who isn't dead? Birdie, Chef Birdie got saved. Uh, this episode should be called, it's not True Killers, but The Return of Chef Birdie. Because <laughs> uh, she was basically in the first episode and then mentioned a couple of times and now we see her again. Only for her to uh, sacrifice, well she doesn't really sacrifice herself in uh, the largest sense, but... Xavier's in the oven and he's cooking and his skin sloughing off and he's like losing the will to break out of there and it's awful and it's totally not anything I expected to see. Uh, I expected him to get broken out just like he does. Birdie breaks him out, but then Birdie, he's like, I'm going to go get help and Birdie says in without words, no, please kill me. And so, jeez, Xavier does. He stabs her in the the heart and it's so slow and they're both screaming and it looks so horrible and man Xavier I don't know if I could do that I don't know if I could do that Xavier's been through a lot this night this this whole these last four episodes and beyond it seems are all taking place in one night I'm sorry I'm fired up let's keep going on now what the hell just happened 
<laughs> so Margaret Booth makes her way into her cabin to look at her gun and a bear totem. So we flash back and now we learn that Margaret Booth was a staff counselor, staff member at Camp Redwood 14 years ago in 1970. And she was friends with Benjamin Richter, who she affect, aka Mr. Jingles, who she affectionately refers to as Benji in this flashback. And Benji is whittling a bear totem for Margaret Booth. And he says, bears are strong, bears are loyal. And she says, bears mate for life. And there is an obvious age discrepancy here that I, I, I am going to acknowledge. It is uncomfortable and weird. And I don't want to see this thread followed any further. I certainly hope it ends here, and that's the last I'm going to say about it. The cool kids were making fun of them both. So they kind of bonded over being outcasts, and then he cuts his hand and blood, like, you know, starts seeping out of his finger, and Margaret Booth unprompted starts sucking his finger sucking the blood off of it and then says are you my bear benji and he says i, I mean this this is so sexually charged it is uncomfortable it, it makes me uncomfortable and i guess that's part of the horror of it but it, i feel like the the part that the is making me uncomfortable isn't like ooh look she's so crazy she's sucking the blood it's this is this is like a 50 plus year old man and this child is anyone else looking at this oh no they're the they're the social pariahs so so they're basically invisible to everybody and Benji, a.k.a. Benjamin Richter, a.k.a. Mr. Jingle, says, I'd do anything to protect you. Mm. So, that was a flashback. We find Brooke back in the net, and this is where we get it. The cage match, <laughs> without a cage. Night Stalker versus Jingles, and also Montana versus Rita, that no one was really asking for. Long story short, Montana wins, knocks Rita out, and long story short, Jingles wins and kills the Night Stalker. And he uses, it's a great opportunity to show that the Night Stalker is really just like a punk, and Jingles is military trained, like at least in Vietnam close quarters combat, whatever that means, but he wrecks. I mean, it's, it's not... It's not like a, a flawless victory, but um, he, he kills him and he stabs him like through the back of the head, through the back of the neck, through his through the back of his head, through the back of his neck on a on a like piece of wood sticking out of a tree. And uh, so so Night Stalker's dead. Um, and Brooke got away when she was swinging. Uh, it, it, it's nice. I thought it was like, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I thought what happened is the Night Stalker or Mr. Jingles had like sliced the net and that's how Brooke got out. But I noticed on second viewing that she actually swung over to the tree when uh, Mr. Jingles had like pushed her and she somehow got herself out, which is really good. Good for Brooke that she has the agency to get out of there and she doesn't need Mr. Man to come slice open the net to get her out of there. Then, and this is the big one, we see Margaret Booth praying in her uh, office, and Mr. Jingles shows up. And this is where we learn the big thing. I'll, I'll just, I'm assuming you've watched it. If you haven't, uh, go on FX or whatever and, and watch this, because uh, it's it's crazy the way that it's set up. And then they beat you over the head with it like good TV does. I mean, not everybody's going to understand all of the subtleties. Oh, not like me, such a film scholar and educated intellectual like me can see between the lines. Um, for the layman, they had to lay out that Margaret Booth killed the cabin in 1970 and framed Benjamin Richter for it, thus creating Mr. Jingles. 
she explains in so many words that you've forgotten your promise that you were going to protect me, but you were too weak. So we flash back to see that her uh, cabin mates were bullying uh, Margaret Booth in a really indirect way. So Margaret killed them all, but used Mr. Jingle's Vietnam past to frame him. In addition to putting some of her camp counselors' ears, her friends' ears, into, or the bullies, not her friends, into uh, like one of his lockboxes. And then one of the most like real-world horrors is he gets put with Dr. Hopple, a person who we've established his philosophy is people, some people are just born evil. And so through electroshock therapy and the horrors of a uh, asylum treatment, he's brainwashed, for lack of a better word, and convinced that he is the killer, that surely he did what... <laughs> Why else would he be here? Why else would he be being tortured daily if he wasn't some kind of monster and deserved it? Well, the truth is that he didn't. He didn't do it. And that Margaret Booth is even an even more evil person than we realized and Margaret Booth shoots Mr. Jingles, and he goes down. And that's when Chet and Trevor hear those gunshots. And Trevor's like, I think Margaret's in trouble. I have to go back for her. So he goes, and he's there for like a second before. He's like, oh, you finally killed Mr. Jingles. She says, right, before, right after he killed you. And he goes, what? Margaret Booth stabs Trevor. No! <laughs> Trevor! Here we can only hope that he comes back as a ghost. Uh... <laughs> We can only hope that his hog comes with him. <laughs> oh, poor Montana. Who will love Montana now? Well, Night Stalker will. Montana is in no shortage of uh, dudes fawning over her. Uh, but no, Trevor's down, and he tries to get the gun, but he's stabbed another time. And uh, before Margaret, or Margaret Booth turns around, and Mr. Jingle's corpse is gone. And uh, that's when we see Xavier uh, in the woods, Mr. Jingles like comes upon him and they're both like on death's door and it's kind of a funny moment like I don't think either of them are in any shape to kill each other but uh, Brooke finds Xavier then and then there's an explosion off screen very uh, intelligent uh, way to set this up so that you don't have to create a visual effect or anything you just kind of glow a light on the actors and have them react as though an explosion happened off screen add some sound effects and bam you got an explosion baby Chet Margaret Booth, Montana, Brooke, and Xavier are watching the producer's car burn. And no one knows what happened except Margaret Booth. She says that Mr. Jingles was attacking me. I thought I was dead. And Trevor, he was so brave. Jingles killed him. Oh, no. And then the last shot that we get that just blows my mind is we go back to the Night Stalker. The Night Stalker's corpse, I should say. As his body floats up off of the ground. And Rita wakes up and, like, crawls her way over to, to see what, what what the hubbub is. And the Night Stalker is, like, fully floating up of, above, above the ground and healing. All of his, like, wounds are healing, like Wolverine in the uh, X-Men movies. And uh, his pupils are black and he's gasping and Rita gasps and the Night Stalker looks over and grins and cut to black. <laughs> what the hell just happened? <laughs> 
Oh man, so I have a ton of questions, but um, the little stinger I feel like is just as much a part of this episode as it is next. It looks like we're going to see Rita's past uh, and that she might survive that encounter with the Night Stalker or maybe he turns her? I'll get to that in my theories. Uh, it sounds like Xavier wants to burn the camp. We'll see if that's just a throwaway line if uh, someone talks him out of it immediately or if they actually think about doing it. Sounds like a good idea to me. Uh, looks like Montana gets the drop on Brooke and knocks her out. Poor Brooke, man, she's getting knocked out every other episode. Uh, and uh, it looks like Rita confesses, at least to Xavier, and I think it was Montana in the room, uh, that Rita is the, well, Donna Chambers, as we know her now, is the one that set Mr. Jingles free and started this whole thing. And uh, he's, uh, Nick Xavier says, you're the reason I'll never be on the cover of TV Guide. I can't tell with these, like, stingers. I guess they're supposed to be, like, kind of funny with, like, the 80s uh, uh, aesthetic. But this episode kind of was funnier in the beginning. And then the humor kind of disappeared as it went on. But it's time for our next segment, which is where I get to ask all of my questions that were raised in this episode called Mystery LLC. So... Is the Night Stalker's resurrection, the Satan resurrection thing, is that a one-time deal? I, I can't imagine he's died very often, but uh, he doesn't seem phased by it. He seems like, like, yeah, yeah, this is what I expected is a resurrection. Um, and of course it has to do with Satan because the audio at the time is a bunch of actors whispering, Satan, 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 Satan. Uh, and uh, so so I don't know. The, the, the real, own, the one nugget of like actual quote-unquote you know movie tv satanism that we see is his pentagram where he's cutting his hand he sliced his hand open and he's bleeding on it and it's supposed to be like to to to, to ask for guidance from the devil or something like that uh so maybe that was enough of a ritual maybe we'll see what he's done in the past to earn uh the dark prince's favor but um uh that's a question i have is uh and, and, and second of all, what <laughs> is, is just my question for that is, huh? What? <laughs> um, my next question is, what happened to Jonas? We haven't seen him in two episodes, and we can only assume Margaret Booth when we see her for the first time in this episode uh, coming upon the uh, copycat Mr. Jingles. She had just finished talking with Jonas, so where is he? Is he still running around getting hit by cars and, and getting killed in places that he insists he's not supposed to die? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. Did Margaret Booth scoop him up and do something with him? Who knows? This question I feel like I have, I should just like have uh, as a staple uh, pinned to this uh, segment, which is, is Margaret Booth telling the truth? 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 I don't believe her when she says anything, even when she says that she's framing uh, Mr. Jingles for what she did back then. I, I don't know what to believe. Uh, and secondly, did she burn the car? I think that's safe to assume, but that I, I feel like that's a long stretch to get from gunshots, stabbing Trevor, to the car. Oh, you know what? There's a time gap when Xavier sees Mr. Jingles and then like kind of passes out and Brooke taps him on the shoulder. There's a time gap there that could account for Margaret Booth getting to the car, soaking it in gasoline, lighting it up, having it explode, and then like, you know, running away and then running back to be like, oh, what's happening? 
Um, so, so that makes sense. Uh, it's always a shame when I can answer my own questions within the same segment. Um, but you'd think with an episode like this, I'd have a lot more questions. Uh, I do not. My next segment is a new segment that I wanted to introduce. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this up with every episode, which is my favorite quote. These episodes are laden with really funny quotes that out of context are hilarious, in context are bizarre and hilarious. And so uh, my winner, I will let you know in a minute, but the runner-ups for this episode's favorite quote were the Night Stalker saying, Billy Idol's the truth, man. (laughs) Uh, And that... That's coming in at number three. And number two, Xavier with porn. <laughs> I'm not even going to remind you of the context for that. And that brings us to the number one. Our winner today for favorite quote is Margaret Booth's little line. There is a school bus full of eager campers coming here at sunrise, and they will be perfectly safe because I have a gun. <laughs> so congratulations Margaret Booth we'll be sending you a t-shirt from the gory days my next segment is screaming themies where I get to talk about some of the themes that are happening in this show uh, most recently on the last episode I talked about the theme of guilt and self-shame in this episode it's kind of brought up by Montana continuing the thread of nobody believing Brooke Montana thinks Brooke slept with Sam her brother and lied about it which resulted in him dying Uh, So that's kind of the guilt here. I feel like there's more, but that's all I wrote down on my bullet points. So if I wanted to say more things, I should have written it down. The next theme that's played on from the past is the theme of redemption, specifically Margaret Booth. Margaret Booth wanted to open Camp Redwood again to make something good from the horribleness that happened back then. When we initially heard that, we assumed it had to do with the horrible objective uh, killings that no one here was party to. It was just a horrible thing that happened. What she's actually referring to, revealed here in her little prayer, is that she wants to make some good from her evil. When she's praying in her uh, cabin, she mentions things like, I vowed in a baptism of blood uh, to, she's praying to God, and she says like, "To, uh, to walk a straight and narrow path, give me the strength to do thy will. And the way I'm interpreting, God, I feel like I didn't take the, the, the best parts of her prayers there for my point, but my point is that she is trying to distance herself or to repent for the evils that even she recognizes were sins and yet she is a monster she is a psychopath sociopath she's the one that needs to be locked up obviously we can only hope that she gets some electroshock treatment herself at some point oh i feel like they're setting her uh, setting her up for something big like that which ties into my next theme of revenge montana with a big r wants revenge on brooke for getting her brother sam killed at her and uh, at brooke and joey's wedding And the final theme that I drummed up for this is the theme of promises. Not only is the word promise said several times in this episode, the idea of promise is a uh, through line, I would say. Montana tells the Night Stalker, asks the Night Stalker to promise me she'll suffer, when referring to uh, killing Brooke. Mr. Jingles tells Margaret Booth that I'd do anything to protect you. That is what Margaret Booth calls a promise when she says you've forgotten everything, like you've forgotten your promise. 
and then Rita tells Brooke, or should I say Donna Chambers, tells Brooke, I promise you'll be remembered as a feminist hero. And then finally, Montana tells Brooke when she finds her in the net and like puts on this little show of, uh, oh, you're so brave, she says, I promise this will be over soon. So promises are kind of a double-edged sword. I mean, let's just break it down. A promise is uh, putting your word on the line that you will do something, and if you don't end up doing it, you either knew you weren't going to do it and willfully lied, or you thought you'd be able to do it and you didn't try hard enough. That's <laughs> I feel like that's a really cynical way to look at promises, but I'm just trying to take it within the context of this uh, episode. So Montana, or the Night Stalker's promise to Montana is that she will that is that Brooke will suffer. The Night Stalker fails uh, initially. Then he's resurrected, so his promise may still live on. But the stinger for next episode leads me to believe that Montana has lost her patience with the Night Stalker's promise and will take these matters into her own hands. Margaret Booth is interpreting uh, Mr. Jingle's promise to protect her as something that she can determine the, the terms of. He says, I will all, I do anything to protect you. And so she hears that and she's the one that applies all of this <laughs> horrible meaning to it. Even in death, she says, you were always so good to me and now I get to lay my sins on you one last time. Like, geez, she's still going to frame him. And that's why she cut off Trevor's ear to frame Mr. Jingles for even more murders. Not that she needed to. He'd already killed like five five people, I think, up to this point. Um, so yeah, that's the, fa- uh, the, the, theme of, uh, the, the theme of promises. So now we get to move into kills, kills, kills. There were only three kills, so I guess it's perfect. One kill, two kills, three kills, four. Five kills, six kills, seven kills more. Number one, Rod, the aerobics douche, who we can only assume, I mean, he is fabulous. He's wearing uh, like the little jumper, the purple outfit that he's got, and he's like, when he when he throws his little hissy fit, he does that thing where you throw your hands down, but you keep your the, the tops of your knuckles pointed straight up at the sky with your fingers extended like, ah! <laughs> Very funny. Not at all stereotypical or offensive, I'm choosing to believe. It doesn't matter. He gets vivisected. The Night, Stalk- the Night Stalker disembowels him and somehow hangs him from like the corner of the locker room ceiling for Montana to find in like a perfect way that his guts are kind of just like oh they're just falling out on their own like whatever it's like an Instagram post like oh I just put these here and they're just kind of falling these leaves oh yeah whatever it's just random oh this corpse I just put this corpse here and the entrails are just oh yeah whatever that's just so natural and it works it it turns uh, Montana on and the Night Stalker gets them in all Honesty, that scene is pretty interesting because Montana is the one that really feels like the one in control. And in fact, he, the Night Stalker, licks blood off of her feet. It's a it's a nice, weird opportunity for one of the females to have some agency over her own body in a sex scene, which was unheard of in the 80s, I want to say, save for some very few uh, uh, examples that I think I've covered on the show. Number two, Chef Birdie. God, there's only like 
a few characters on here that I actually like, and Chef Birdie was one of them just because she was so like weirdly flirtatious with Xavier. And I feel like they knew that with the one extra line she gets here, but but she's dead. She gets stabbed, 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 and but doesn't quite die until she's stabbed again. Uh, by Xavier in the heart, slowly and loudly, and it's awful, but uh, she's dead. Birdie's dead. Maybe she'll come back as a ghost. Who knows? Number three, Trevor, the counselor. Oh. <laughs> let's just let's just take a moment of silence for Trevor. I'm not taking a moment of silence. It's a goddamn podcast. Dumbest idea ever. Let's just, when when you have a moment to yourself today... Take a breath, look at the leaves fall and maybe the clouds blow around. Listen to the birds because there's one more angel in heaven, in TV heaven. And two, if you can't, Trevor's hog. (laughs) He's stabbed by Margaret Booth in the stomach and then the back uh, and then his ear is taken. And that brings us to our final segment, which is Theory Canal, my predictions for this show on what uh, happened in the past that may get uh, satisfied and what may happen in the future that I uh, have some ideas for. And boy, I've got some ideas for this show. (laughs) I I got a bone to pick with this show. Uh, So last, my my theories in the past were that uh, there would be more ghosts than just Jonas. That hasn't happened yet, but I'm not ruling it out. Another theory I had was that Rita would put Brooke in a trap for Mr. Jingles to observe him. And I was right. I was 100% right with this one. Uh, Rita did put Brooke in a series of traps um, ending in the net that eventually she was going to observe Mr. Jingles catching. But it turned into a Mr. Jingles versus uh, Night Stalker free-for-all. And then uh, my other theory was Margaret Booth and Jonas somehow fostering a relationship together. I'm also not ruling that out, but nothing happened with this episode. So we can move on to my new theories for the future. Well, actually, I want to talk about this first one. So right in the opening scene when the Night Stalker shows up at the manor at the Manorobics class, he's listening to Billy Idol, and he, uh, it's Rebel Yell. It's a great song. With uh, a rebel yell. That's all I'm allowed to sing unless uh, if I don't want to get sued. The Night Stalker comes in, starts listening to that song, and I swear he is dancing. I, I don't God, this is like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I saw Joker. Joker is a great movie. Without spoiling anything, Joaquin Phoenix does some, like, dancing in certain scenes of the movie to music that, like, he can only, only he can hear. The Night Stalker dances in, like, the exact same way. Is this a coincidence? I think not. I feel like a conspiracy theorist here, but like, is it so crazy to think that someone knew that the Joker movie would come out this earlier weekend and someone at FX thought well in advance? I mean, they they knew when the uh, when the film would come out a long time ago, so they knew to put something that would reference something from the Joker that isn't spoilery that you could know from the trailers even back then in a place that people would see it right after seeing the joker something like maybe the way our serial killer dances in uh, our show i don't think it's that crazy uh if, if I, I i don't i don't know that's that's my theory i think that they intentionally had him dance like joaquin phoenix's joker in this opening scene which is insane that that, that level of forethought that they did it and i'm impressed uh so that's a theory i guess 
My next theory is that Brooke will kill Montana and or the Night Stalker. I think something is going to push Brooke too far, hopefully in a situation where she is covered in blood, because I'm a sucker for characters who get covered in blood and that pushes them beyond the, the point of no return. I think Brooke will kill Montana. She might kill the Night Stalker, but I, th- I that that's one of my theories. Another theory is that Mr. Jingles will die. Now, something in the stinger for last episode throws a wrench into this, but maybe not next episode, but soon, I think Mr. Jingles will die but he'll live on like a ghost, like Jonas. Uh, who knows? But that's that's my theory. I certainly don't, but that's my theory. Next theory. Rita will continue to be an inconsistent, duplicitous bitch. I am so sorry. Oh, oh don't tell mom. I'm so sorry. Shush, shush. I'm so sorry. Seriously, though, I don't like that word, but she is the worst and i want her dead in the nicest horror movie way uh the the actor is doing a great job and uh, god i swear it's like when when they give her lines that have to do with the psychology and the actual science of her uh character it sounds like she's reciting words out of a out of a playbook uh versus when she's like what in character is that what I'm supposed to believe that she's like trying to pretend like she's not a, a smart psychologist scientist because then she's doing a great job because I'm not buying it I don't know the actor's name but I'm putting you on blast pick a lane either use your like local color drawl or use your smart voice that you put on when you're reading the the dialogue that has more than five syllables but pick a lane Ah, I feel like I'm getting on a tangent. I want to wrap this up with uh, my last two theories, which is that, um, or no, my last theory is that something's going to happen that'll turn this whole season on its head. And I understand I haven't seen them, but I understand that Coven has some big uh, mid-season like pivot point, and I can only assume this one will follow suit. Now, here are my theories on how this season will get turned on its head. Now, bear with me. These are a little outlandish, but they're my theories. And you're just listening. You're not here to tell me they're wrong. So deal with it. They're all dead. All of them. They're all dead. They're already dead. And they're reliving their deaths in like a ghost loop situation like a groundhog day death situation kind of like happy death day or happy death day too i guess <laughs> uh that's just one a different one is that brooke is somehow the mastermind of this entire event and she has a reason to want to kill every person at this camp and she's really good at pretending to be this this ingenue but really she's the mastermind that's one idea another idea is of course that this is a computer simulation (laughs) um or an actual movie that other characters are watching and that at some point this the the story that we're watching will end and the characters watching the film will leave the theater and continue a brand new story a la death proof I, I, I feel like that's a really, really big leap, but that would be really cool, in my opinion, if the first half of the, the season was the story that you're really invested in, and then it ends in a really satisfying way, and then the characters are like, okay, that was a great movie, let's go back to like our lives, and it's like, what? Who are these people? The show would have a lot of work to do to reintroduce these people, unless, unless they do, oh, it's like an American Horror Story season within an American Horror Story season, that all of the people 
people watching uh, the, 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 uh, the, the movie are also the uh, characters watching the movie? I feel like I said that weird. Like, like, if they didn't, they weren't actors portraying themselves in the movie. They just happened to look like the people in this movie. Um, and then you can even do things where, like, yeah, there are actors that also exist in the same universe that look exactly like them but aren't them. Ah, oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> um, uh, another one is that this is all an experiment, kind of like Rita's psychological thing, but way bigger, that this is somehow a big uh, uh, serial killer experiment to, to see what happens when you put, like, a Night Stalker and all these different people into one environment. It'd kind of be like a, a more grounded cabin in the woods. That instead of saying, like, okay, y'all, all of the monster movies, what if they all happened and had some kind of through line? What if instead it was all the grounded serial killer movies and had a reason for them all to be in one location to, like, not, not for sacrifice, but for research study? I thought that'd be interesting. And then my final theory for uh, this whole series getting turned on its head is that they will jump forward in time. Uh, I know it's, you know, the, the season is called 1984. But there, I feel like there's a possibility that it starts in 1984 and then it jumps to like 2004. Or maybe we spend like the rest of the season back in 1970 and we see like the events leading up to that and the characters get fleshed out there. It sounds less interesting than the movie theater one. Now I'm really <laughs> hoping they do the movie theater one. And that's that for this episode of American Horror Story, episode four, True Killers. Next week, I will be talking about a brand new episode of American Horror Story 1984, episode five. And who knows what that'll be uh, subtitled. And other than that, thanks for spending your time here on the Gory Days. Thanks for taking a stroll as we remembered this episode that came out yesterday. Until next time, stay scary out there. The Gory Days.